Please stand for the reading of God's word. Today we'll be reading Genesis, uh, starting 29:31. Now the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, and he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Leah conceived and bore a son, and named him Reuben, for she said, Because the Lord has seen my affliction, surely now my husband will love me. Then she conceived again and bore a son and said, Because the Lord has heard that I am unloved, he has therefore given me his son also, this son also. So she named him Simeon. She conceived again and bore a son and said, Now this time my husband will become attached to me, because I have borne him three sons. Therefore he was named Levi. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, This time I will praise the Lord. Therefore she named him Judah. Then she stopped bearing. Now Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children. She became jealous of her sister. And she said to Jacob, Give me children or else I die. Then Jacob's anger burned against Rachel, and he said, Am I in the place of God, who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? She said, Here is my maid Bilhah. Go into her that she may bear on my knees, that through her I too may have children. So she gave him her maid Bilhah as a wife, and Jacob went into her. Bilhah conceived and bore Jacob a son. Then Rachel said, God has vindicated me, and has indeed heard my voice, and has given me a son. Therefore, she named him Dan. Rachel's maid Bilhah conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. So Rachel said, With mighty wrestlings, I have wrestled with my sister, and I have indeed prevailed. And she named him Naphtali. When Leah saw that she had stopped bearing, she took her maid Zilpah and gave her to Jacob as a wife. Leah's maid Zilpah bore Jacob a son. Then Leah said, How fortunate. So she named him Gad. Leah's maid Zilpah bore Jacob a second son. Then Leah said, Happy am I, for women will call me happy. So she named him Asher. Now in the days of wheat harvest, Reuben went and found mandrakes in the field and brought them to his mother Leah. Then Rachel said to Leah, Please give me some of your son's mandrakes. But she said to her, Is it a small matter for you to take my husband? And would you take my son's mandrakes also? So Rachel said, Therefore he may lie with you tonight and return for your son's mandrakes. When Jacob came in from the field in the evening, then Leah went out to meet him and said, You must come in to me, for I have surely hired you with my son's mandrakes. So he lay with her that night. God gave heed to Leah, and she conceived and bore Jacob a fifth son. Then Leah said, God has given me my wages because I, have, I gave my maid to my husband. So she named him Issachar. Leah conceived again and bore a sixth son to Jacob. Then Leah said, God has endowed me with a good gift. Now my husband will dwell with me, because I have borne him six sons. So she named him Zebulun. Afterwards, she bore a daughter and named her Dinah. Then God remembered Rachel and gave heed to her and opened her womb. So she conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. She named Joseph, named him Joseph, saying, May the Lord give me another son. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you, Sean. Well, good morning, Hawaiians. Before I go into this, this story, um, just a quick couple reminders. October 16th is when we, not break in brotherly fellowship, but it is a competition when we have a chili cook-off. If you've been here with Reliance and you've been watching and you, wanna want, you want to know what we're about, and some of our core convictions. After the service today, 10 minutes afterwards, you'll see a 10-minute countdown. 
We'll meet in the gathering room and uh, take a little bit of your time and just kind of express what, um, what we love about Reliance. And uh, we invite you, if you want to know what might be a next step, just to join us shortly after the service. Would you pray with, for me as we consider this, this story? Lord, I thank you for the grace that you give us in Christ. Lord, as I read through the book of Genesis and continue throughout the Old Testament, there are not very many, if any, to hope in. And sometimes, like passages like this, we're confronted not only with our own issues, but the issues which humanity has always dealt with. We covet. Times we are filled with jealousy. We live in a society which is constantly striving through the means of selfish ambition. Whether we choose our job or location, often they are pursuits for ourselves. And yet you're still kind to us and you're still gracious to us. And so in the midst of a story like this, as we wander through it, Lord, I pray that where there might be a conviction, Lord, would you convict us and cause our hearts to fear the fruits of jealousy and selfish ambition. In Jesus' name, amen. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. Well, to be honest... When I sat down on Monday and began to walk through the story of Leah and Rachel, I found myself quite dazed. Uh, the story is shocking. We are, I know, 30 chapters from the beginning of Genesis, but it is quite fair to say that we are a long ways away from the garden. And so we recognize, even as we read or heard this morning, that sin has rooted itself in the hearts of men and women, and seeds are now beginning to bear its fruits. So I'm looking at the text, I'm looking at the story, thinking to myself, what are my options? First thing that I thought was we can skip over it. The challenge with Genesis is that if you skip over one rock, you find yourself on a bigger rock, which is just as shocking. I could, one, skip it, or I could, two, defer it. Greg, you're up. <laughs> Striving young preachers will take and seize at any opportunity. God is good. <laughs> or, all kidding aside, I could preach it. There are stories within scriptures that indeed are shocking. They are appalling. And even as parents, when we walk through the, the stories of Genesis and others throughout the Old Testament, as a parent, there are times when we think to ourselves, let's wait for this one and come back to it when our children are older. We don't do this out of neglect, but, reason, but out of reason, Knowing that maturity helps us understand the complexity of the story. The danger, though, is we never actually address the story. In fact, the writer is careful. He is careful to select the stories in which he wants his audience to consider 
so that they might rightly understand how to live in God's creation. And so we recognize at times we jump over a passage for the sake of our children, but as adults who recognize the seriousness, seriousness that's presented before us, we ought not be those who do not consider it or allow it to convict us. You might, just real quick, give me a moment. Scriptures are unique in the way that they communicate God's truths. The writers use story. At times they use songs. At times they use proverbs. At times we see them in parables. The unique thing about a proverb, it's short and it's sweet. Just as James 3.16 says, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. The strength of a proverb lies in the individual who will not only read the proverb, but then also meditate on it. It has no background behind it. Rather, it is the wisdom of God given to you and I through the scriptures so that we purposely meditate on it. Now, the scriptures do not communicate all of God's truth through Proverbs at times. Just like we saw today, the same theological idea that is communicated in 3.16 of James is communicated in story. In the proverb, you have to be highly reflective to meditate upon it, but in the midst of a story, you have to watch it unfold. What could go wrong? Jacob has now been deceived and now has two wives. And the scene that's placed before us is we have two women who have deep desires. And I would argue that they're appropriate desires, God-given desires. But in the midst of it, will those desires be so shaped and manipulated in that they might produce fruits of sin. And as the reader, unlike James 3.16, we carefully walk through it, hoping to fear that we might be overcome with the same seeds of jealousy. Men, it is a story about two sisters, but we are not excused from becoming jealous ourselves. The story relates to all of us. And so with that in mind, I just want to recognize these two individuals. For you, what I see in the text is Leah has a desire. So does Rachel. One of them is moved to jealousy. And they are indeed deep desires that run very deep within the heart of an individual. So concerning the first... My hope is, is that we be reflective of our own lives. And as we walk through the story, be careful to learn our hearts tipping to the point where all sorts of evils could be produced because of jealousy. Look at the desires of Leah. The author has done this already. If you've been with us, she is at the disadvantage. She's the firstborn. But as the author wrote in Genesis chapter 29, verse 17, 
She is weak in the eyes. Naturally, you can compare her against her sister, Rachel. And Rachel is described as being perfect in form and perfect in face. If you're familiar with reality, I have five daughters. Every woman that I have known struggles with this issue. Tempted to compare themselves against another. See, James 3.16 would warn us every jealousy or selfish ambition that takes these God-given attributes and misuses them produces all sorts of evils. The temptation is here for Leah. And not only does she have weakened eyes, but then it's heightened in 29 verse 30. When Jacob is deceived and he takes both Leah and Rachel to be his wife, Jacob's response, so Jacob went into Rachel also, and indeed, Jacob, he loved Rachel more than Leah. He served with Laban for another seven years. Not only is the physical reality a reality between the two of them, but the response of, one of, the, of Jacob to the two women is going to no doubt eat away at Leah. The passage which we started with today in verse 31 even heightens the scenario even more. Look with me. Now the Lord saw that Leah was unloved. The author has been very careful to pick that word unloved, it is often used equivalently with the word hate. Jacob's love for Rachel was so significant, it was appearing as if he didn't even regard Leah. Could you imagine? Every day when Jacob got home from the fields to watch him go into Rachel's tent. The desires that Lee would have would have eaten away at her. But in the midst of her situation, the kindness of God is extended towards her. Look at verse 31 with me again. Now the Lord saw that Leah was unloved. And he opened her womb. But Rachel was barren. Now... The seeds of desires are going to be even heightened. Because as we go on, and we'll see in the next section, is that Rachel wants what Leah has. And Leah wants what Rachel has. Rachel has the love of Jacob, and Leah wants it. Rachel wants a womb that bears fruit, and Leah has it. The question that I have for us is how does, how does Leah respond with her desires upon bearing or receiving the kindness of God? Her desires, as I see it, are not moved to jealousy, but they are a want. Look with me at verse 32. As Jacob fulfills his husbandly responsibilities, Leah conceived... 
and bore a son, and, he, and named him Reuben. For she said, Because the Lord has seen my affliction, surely now my husband will love me. Sure, I am weak in face, but I am strong in womb. That's the idea. Now I am worth some value to my husband. And so while she receives the compassion of God, she in hand still has this desire unmet. And in that desire, her firstborn is called Reuben. He carries this idea of like, look, Jacob, a son, right? Behold, I am of value for you. But yet it doesn't satisfy her desires. Three more sons she will give. For on the second son, she will give birth to Simon, verse 33. Then she conceived again and bore a son and said, because the Lord has heard, she acknowledges. She's getting birth not because of loving husband, because God's compassion is given towards her. Because the Lord has seen my affliction, because the Lord has heard that I am unloved, verse 33, he has said, therefore, given me this son also. So she named him Simon. Not with the first, but also with the second. Gifts are given, yet desire unmet. She gives birth a third time, verse 34. This time to Levi. She conceived again and bore a son and said, Now this time my husband surely will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. There is this deep desire. I find myself, when I read the story with Leah, I, I, I find, I feel sorry for her. She's weak in eyes. Maybe Laban deceived Jacob because no one will take her. So she, he fulfills his roles as a father and slides her into the, in the wedding ceremony so that she will at least be taken care of. Unloved by father, unloved by husband, loved by God, desires unmet. Could you imagine the opportunity for jealousy? Fourth occurrence. She has given birth to Reuben, Simon, Levi, four years, if you were to say, bang, right off the bat. Verse 35, these were in concession to one another. And she conceived again. It's like her womb is, is fruitful. And bore a son and said, this time the rhythm has changed. She does not reference her husband this time. This time, I will praise the Lord. And therefore, she named him Judah. Fascinating. A woman who is unloved, maybe, maybe, the text doesn't say, but maybe we can assume that Laban is not for her. But Jacob is definitely not for her, but God is for her. And it's through these sons, strikingly, that Levites will be established in the nation of Israel. And through Judah, the Messiah will be given. So the unloved and oppressed, the one who is unloved, yet is loved by God. But yet, in all of that, desires, good desires, every wife has that right to be loved. 
you know, at the end of it, that seems to not have been fulfilled, but she yet praises the Lord. Something is striking. As you finish out the chapter and the verse, her, her womb is fertile, no doubt. This time I will praise the Lord. Therefore she named him Judah. Then she stopped bearing. Why? Is the Lord shut it up? Is the, as she have come of age, the reader is left to wait. So, to be fair, the desires of Leah, I think, are warranted. But in her desires, she trusts in the Lord. She gives praise to the Lord and yet acknowledges, I think, not on the edge of jealousy, but potentially her love for her husband. Rachel, on the other hand, is a whole different ballgame. She's the loved one. She has all the affection of her husband, yet she is barren. These two issues, form and barrenness, are serious issues in which even if you're fertile and you have lacking in form, becomes a challenge for a woman. And barrenness the same as way as well. You have may have form, but barrenness. And it has opportunity for that desire to be moved towards jealousy. And we know that Rachel has not used that as a desire. It has actually moved past desire into jealousy, verse 1 of chapter 30. Now when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, she became jealous of her sister. Her desire is right. It's good. This is how God created women, is to bear fruit. But as she compares herself against her sister, she becomes jealous of her sister. And naturally, in the past, even her mother, or no, excuse me, Isaac's mother, when she was barren 20 years, Isaac prayed to God, and God gave fruit. But she turns to Jacob rather than God and says, give me children or else I die. We're going to notice here as we go along, I counted four fruits of jealousy. Remember, like, it's in the proverb which says, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is all sorts of disorder and evil things. And the first thing that we see, the first fruit of disorder, or the first fruits of jealousy, is going to be this desire for, or not desire, but it's going to create her jealousy, marital frustration. Verse 2. And she pegs the problem on Jacob. Jacob's anger turns against Rachel. This is the first recorded conversation after their marriage, right? Before in chapter 29, it's the homework. After that, the first thing we witness between these two is a fight. And Jacob's anger burned against Rachel, verse 2, and he said, Am I in the place of God who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? Jacob's like, hey, 
My great-great-grandma was barren. Who opened her barren womb? God. My mother was barren. Who opened her womb? God. Why do you come to me? And he could have said, it's only been seven years. Man, he shouldn't say that. (laughs) He should not say that. But his point is, it's God who has the ability to open wombs. Where this jealousy creeps into the mind and the heart of Rachel is her comparison towards her sister. And so the first fruit becomes this marital frustration. The second fruit becomes this playing God. We've seen this story before. In fact, we've seen it with Abraham. We saw it with Isaac, and now we see it again. Jacob's going to go in this story from having two wives to four. What could go wrong? And so she says to her maid, verse 3, Here is my maid, Bilhah. Go into her that she may bear on my knees. The phrase there, bear on my knees, carries the idea as the baby comes forth, she will adopt her for the child. That through her I too may have children. As the reader, we'd be like, no, don't do it. We saw this with Abraham and it did not go well. Verse 4, and so she gave him her maid, Bilhah, as a wife and Jacob Jacob is like, he's just along for the ride. Like, in the midst of these 11 children, how many of them does he name? None. Why are they jealous for him, I imagine? He doesn't participate. He doesn't end. In fact, the one thing that he does says is, am I God? And so he receives a son. Verse 6, Rachel actually attaches playing God uh, patterns as if God himself has done it. Love this. I prayed about it, and so God made it happen, right? Yet you made it happen, not God. And Rachel said, God has vindicated me and has indeed heard my voice and has given me a son. Therefore, she named him Dan. And as the, the story continues, it happens again. Verse 7, Rachel made, made Bilhah conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. This time, the fruits of her jealousy are fully exposed. So Rachel was said, with mighty wrestlings, I have wrestled my sister and I have indeed prevailed. It is now four to two. She's catching up. The seeds of jealousy and selfish ambition, they pit us against one another. It happens in the local church. It happens in our families. It happens in front of the mirror. It happens within the workplace. Rachel wants what Leah has, and she will do everything to get it. It has created marital frustration. It has created opportunity for man to credit man's works as God's works. Three, if there is an opportunity or a moment in the story where Leah is being moved herself into the patterns of jealousy, it seems to be here. Not stated, but it does seem that she is close. Because two can play this game. 
And so what does Leah do in verse 9? When Leah saw that she has stopped bearing, she took her maid Zilpha and gave her to Jacob as a wife and two more sons provided. Just stop for a moment. From this story, we have the 12 tribes of Israel. We have much to hope in. The family that will become so dysfunctional. How is it that the Messiah comes through these people? Reminded again of God's incredible patience and grace to humanity to come through such families, which you and I ourselves are reminded that we have experienced. For we were once dysfunctional and driven by our own greed, and yet God was gracious to me and you. We find ourselves with the fourth, and the fourth author has been waiting. This is where the fruits of all sorts of evils have now come to bear their fruit. And this first, or this fourth fruit of jealousy produces, again, as the Proverbs teaches, all sorts of evil. And as we go into it, I remind you, when we left off with Leah, we were left off with this phrase, and Leah stopped bearing. We haven't been given the reason why she stopped bearing. It's simply she stopped. Verse 14, Reuben comes home. Kid playing the wheat harvest. Now in the days of the wheat harvest, Reuben went and found mandrakes in the field and brought them to his mother Leah. Leah, then Rachel said to Leah, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. Little background, mandrakes are perceived to increase fertility. And so the barrenness of Rachel's womb, in which Jacob has corrected her and said, only God can open the womb and give it fruit, strikingly, Rachel, who has yet to go go to the Lord, is reaching for fruit, to create fruit within the womb. And she says, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. Verse 15. But she said to her, Leah, and it's at this moment where we're shown why Leah is not bearing children. But she said to her, Is it a small matter for you to take my husband? And would you take my son's mandrakes also? Do you see it? Why is Leah not having children? Rachel has manipulated, so it seems, the love that Jacob gives her and keeps Leah away from Jacob. You have taken my husband. Four babies you have had, the bearing has stopped. Why? Because the jealousy which she has for Leah has so manipulated the situation so that Jacob cannot go to Leah no longer. The Leah says, is it a small matter for you to take my husband. And then you would take also my son's mandrakes. Remember before, it was Jacob who wanted Esau's birthright. And he was willing to exchange the birthright for food. Rachel's like Jacob. 
and exchange what we want for fruit. So Rachel said, therefore, he may lie with you. Jacob can lie with you tonight in return for your son's mandrakes. So now Jacob, who is a husband, has now been exchanged as for buying. He's not a husband now. At least for Leah's sake. Verse, this is such a strange story. I mean, seriously, I totally get why we jumped. Oh, let's go to Joseph, right? These two women are controlled by their desires. And we've got to admit, desires are a good thing. They're a right thing. God gave them to us. But the moment those desires move to jealousy, they produce all sorts of evils. And the audacity that Rachel now has kept Leah from her rights as a wife. It's shocking. And then to sell those rights for fruit that might give fruit to her womb. Verse 15. But she said to her, It is a small matter for you to take my husband, and would you take my son's mandrakes also? So Rachel said, Therefore he may lie with you tonight in return for your son's mandrakes. When Jacob came in from the field in the evening, then Leah went out to meet him. And she essentially says, you have been bought. You must come into me, for I am surely hired. I surely hired you with my son's mandrakes. Amanda Jacob's like, what? So he lay with her that night. And notice what happens to the fruitful womb that is Leah's, given to her by God. God gave heed to Leah. And she conceived and bore fifth son. Shocking what jealousy will do. You don't want that person to get that promotion. The things that we will do to keep people from succeeding. In fact, even when we see God bless an individual, whether it be through family, whether through job, whether through prosperity, those things that God has given to people can become for us opportunities for jealousy. Like Leah's womb is brutal. Why? God gave it to her. And yet that gracious gift of God has moved them towards jealousy. In fact, when the, this is what exactly Paul argues in Romans concerning the Gentiles. God has been gracious with you, Reliance. Most of you are Gentile. And that the salvation has been given to you but that salvation being given to you in the time of Paul has become opportunity for the Jew to be jealous to the grace that has been given towards you. And that jealousy produces all sorts of evil things. We read in the New Testament, time after time, persecution occurring. But here, Rachel is not Allowed because of Rachel's, Leah's not allowed to enjoy God's blessing because of Rachel's jealousy. She is fighting not only Leah, but God himself. But it seems like there's a change. Because look at verse 17 again. God gave heed to Leah and she conceived and bore a fifth son. Notice Leah's response. 
But Leah said, God has given me my wages because I gave my maid to my husband. But she named him Issachar. Leah conceived again. Shocking. Something's changed. Right? The, the fertility is there once again. It seems like Rachel has given up. And for the sixth time, Jacob, 19, Leah conceived again and bore a sixth son to Jacob. And notice her response. The desire that she has is good. And then Leah said, God has endowed me with a good gift Six sons, now my husband will dwell with me because I have borne him six sons. I am someone. Not to be loved. I have given him a good name. So she named him Zebulun. Verse 21. And after she bore a daughter, seven children. This man, she needs a big car. After she bore a daughter, and named her Dinah. You know what the word Dinah means? Vindicated. Seems like maybe, this is maybe an overassumption, but maybe she has finally received what she's hoped for. Look at verse 22. After all of that, the jealousy that was filled in Rachel. It says it seems that she has let Leah's womb bear fruit. Verse 22, then God remembered Rachel. And God gave heed to her. Who opens barren wombs? God. And opened her womb. And so she conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. Her, her attention is now no longer on Leah, but on whom? God. And so with her final request that we see in this section, she named him Joseph, saying, it's striking. May Jacob, no, may the Lord give me another son. Yeah, why would you jump over this story? There's something to be learned here, really genuinely to appreciate it here, because we can relate to this in that we do have desires, genuine desires within us that are God-planted, like getting a job, good desire. But we recognize that our desires can be so easily moved towards jealousy. Sometimes... We need to read the scriptures and just read the proverb. For where jealousy and some selfish ambition exists, there is disorder and evil thing. And the opportunity for every evil thing. And at other times, we should not defer it, skip it, but rather consider it. Leah was tempted with the beauty of Rachel. And yet, it appears she was not moved towards jealousy. It's a model in which we ought to follow. And yet, also acknowledge when desires are not met, 
but it hurts. There's a form of suffering that takes place. In fact, I don't get to address this often, so I don't want to to escape this reality. Like, women, young women, like, I know that it is tempting to compare, likely it might have been challenged with, with your beauty against your sister. In fact, our world has not aided you in this temptation. My concern is, is that if you let jealousy take place, just like Rachel let it root itself within her, it will control you. Every time that which you look into the mirror, you will find something that is dissatisfying to you. So whether it's, I don't know what it is, I don't have this issue. I have my own issues, but I do know that it will destroy you. You know what I would do? If you find yourself looking in the mirror too long, I would memorize where jealousy and selfish ambition exists. There is disorder in every evil thing. If I let this practice root itself within my heart, it'll kill me. The beauty which Rachel had, who gave it to her? God. The fruitfulness of Leah's womb, who gave it to her? Appreciate what God has given you and use that which God has given you for His glory. I remember, like, driving in, well, it was two weeks ago, I was driving into Kanawick, and the sunset was spectacular. It was absolutely beautiful. So, you know what I was going to do? I wanted to get it on video. So, I woke up early the next day to go capture it, only to find it ordinary and unspectacular. But I recognize, like our world would say, the weak in the face have no purpose. But when I consider the cross, like it's promised that the Messiah, when he came, he would have no feature which would cause someone to look at him. Completely ordinary, but through the ordinary, spectacular things were displayed as he modeled contentment. Some things are made more beautifully aware to the world through their love of contentment in which God has given. And yet at the same time, we can celebrate a sunset. In my opinion, every woman is a sunset. But what is it that I don't know that we compare ourselves and find the one thing that we don't like about ourselves and then allow it the opportunity to eat away at us. And man, you're prone to it as well. Yeah, when I was dating Beth, why would she pick me? Look at the list. You always marry up, men, and just enjoy it. 
I think we all have our own issues. And we are all challenged with wanting more, desiring more, hoping for more. And some of those desires are good things. What Leah wanted was good. What Rachel wanted was good. But that heart was moved to jealousy and she controlled everything around her so that she could get it, only finding that her marriage suffered, her relationship with God suffered, her relationship with her sister suffered, and ultimately produced all sorts of evils. Fear that. And when you find yourselves wanting more than what God has given you, memorize James 3.16, where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and all sorts of evils. Let's pray. Lord, we recognize that every gift is from you. And Lord, we recognize that um, we all know that we have our own desires or expectations and always fall short of reaching them. You are the one who has created us. This is what we remember in Genesis chapter 2. We are created in your image and in your likeness to be fully dependent upon you for everything. And as we do that as a people, we express the love of God which has been given to us, to the world around us, physically. Let us be a people that are content. Let us be a people that while we struggle with our desires, be a people that give them to you. And Lord, may we be a people who can identify with those who do want something and yet do not give it. And be a people who encourage them towards not moving towards jealousy, but to the Lord with these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand.